Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Hello and welcome to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM Pittsfield Community Radio. Simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, now available on all your popular podcast platforms. Uh, If you're new to the program, this is a new format for us. This episode is actually being pre-recorded. Today is Monday, November 21st, 2022. And if things go as planned, you'll be listening to this episode on the Friday after Thanksgiving, November 25th. Uh, As we discussed in last week's episode, pre-recording is new for us. This has traditionally been a live show, um, but things have necessitated that we change it a little bit. So, my name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Matt Hill, sound engineer extraordinaire. Good morning, Chief. (laughs) And we've got some very special guests joining us this morning. But before um, I introduce them, let's see. It's a pre-recorded episode, so we can't have Jacob do the weather. But I can tell you that it's for the end of November. It's cold, very cold, and it's going to stay cold probably until the end of the day, Wednesday, and then we might get a little light rain to it's bring gonna, in Thanksgiving. It's going to stay cold until April. <laughs> it's going to stay cold <laughs> until it's going to stay cold until summer. Um, but it's supposed to be a nice day on Thanksgiving, and we're going to dispense with any news articles because it's late in the morning and the news cycle has already started, and it'll be several days before this episode airs, and it won't be news anymore. Uh, so, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our special guests for this special program dedicated to something you've heard about previously, but we're going to get into the weeds with. Uh, so, joining this me this morning are Professor a la Sensei Connie Flynn and Hello. Professor a la Sensei Mark Flynn, Hello. Uh, the owners, proprietors, and lead instructors of ZenQuest Martial Arts Center, which <coughs> is the home academy or home gym of the Pittsfield Police Department's law enforcement jiu-jitsu program. Uh, and I am thrilled to have my my professors and friends in studio this morning to talk about this incredible program that we're so fortunate to be in our second year of. So good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks uh, for coming in. I think yeah. I'm off camera, but our, that's okay. It, it, our pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe not. It took us a little while to <laughs> ar- arrange this interview or this conversation. Partly because by the time Lieutenant Hill moved into his new assignment and we actually had somebody scheduling talent, the time slot that we normally would be live in is the same time slot that the new second ledge program is in. So unless we did a remote from the mats, we weren't going to get you on a Friday morning show. That might be cool. I was prepared to try it, but I thought we should crawl before we run. So maybe maybe after we get through this. Sure. Um. On behalf of the Pittsfield Police Department and our personnel and the citizens of Pittsfield, I just want to say thank you for being a valuable partner and working with us to create the LEDGE program. Um, I've spoken to both of you about it in the year plus that we've done it, but I'm getting inquiries on a nearly weekly basis Mm. from other cops elsewhere in the country who want to do something similar. So Very um, exciting. I think we were number two in the Commonwealth, and there's like another three or four that have started in other parts of the state since, and uh, we've we've been shipping documentation (coughs) off all over the country, so. Nice. um, (coughs) Trendsetters. Yeah, right? We're happy. We're happy we could be a part of it. Um, So, I think 
normally when we do a uh, we do an in-person interview before we get to the subject at hand we just like to learn a little bit about our guests and when it's an officer in the room we ask them to talk about you know where they grew up or where they went to school or college or their path to law enforcement but just as much as you're comfortable telling our viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself and how you ended up being professional martial arts instructors <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> well, how much uh, time do we have? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I lived and grew up in the tri-state area of New York State to start, and we relocated here in 2002 to start a full-time dojo or uh, academy, as it's called often for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Prior to that, I have experience working with all kinds of people. I have a bachelor's degree in Human Development Family Studies from Cornell University and a master's degree from the College of St. Rose in education. So both of those things have been crucial in my ability to convey information and help people learn in the martial arts. I was running, I uh, was program director at Gilderland Community Center, which is a suburb of Albany, New York, when uh, Professor Mark approached me about starting a uh, martial arts program through the community center and then from there we started a part-time dojo and then we wound up over here in Pittsfield well the Berkshires uh, running a full-time martial arts center so yeah that's <coughs> kind of encap that's encapsulates it as best I can. Version. <laughs> the skinny version yeah <laughs> uh, okay I also grew up a little north of Albany we we lived in Albany before we moved over here um, but I was a uh, civ did uh, civil engineering, you know, professionally. Uh, that was my day job, and uh, and we ran a small dojo. I, I started training martial arts, karate and kickboxing in 1982, um, which a lot of our students weren't born yet at that <laughs> point, you know. But and then uh, eventually started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu 24 years ago, and then Muay Thai about 12 or 14 years ago, and dabbled in a bunch of other things you know um but uh yeah those three you know are have really become our passion i guess you know for the both of us um so yeah and i here we are right <laughs> i mean uh yeah we decided in 2002 we decided to come to the berkshires and kind of do it full time and quit our day jobs and uh we you took know, the leap. It's been a crazy uh, roller coaster journey, but now you know things are, are going well, and we're so happy to do the to work with the uh, law enforcement doing the ledge program. You know, so <coughs> we we met. Um, I, I was dialing back the way back machine, and I'm pretty sure it was 2006. Yeah. Mm. Um, I wasn't the chief of police yet. I I, I don't. I was still a lieutenant. Uh, I was running the training unit and I was a defensive tactics instructor and I had come back from a defensive tactics instructor research and we were really concerned because um, MMA was really starting to take off. The UFC was very popular. We were seeing some trends in um, some of the altercations that officers were being involved in were going to the ground. The material we were teaching at the time didn't really have an adequate ground component. It had you know two simple escapes. And uh, I made a decision, uh, I, I tried to make a decision for the unit, but I made a decision that we were going to go outside of what the state was offering us and we were going to try to get some 
additional experience. And I was fortunate because the former dojo location was literally right around the corner mm-hmm. from my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like if I was on my way to or from work, I was going to drive by there. <clears throat> and so originally, uh, the department's now full-time training officer, Officer Nikki Gaynor and I, we came in. I think we signed mm-hmm. up for the, yeah, the intro program. Yeah, I yeah. remember. Um, it didn't take with Nikki. She, she didn't like, in her terms, she didn't like the pajamas. <laughs> she, she didn't like training in the gi. Um, and I it, get that. It, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I I really one I found that I really enjoyed being back on the mats because I had some experience as a wrestler that ultimately <laughs> didn't serve me as well as I had hoped. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think more I mean, it does help. It, it did help a little yeah. bit until I decided to turtle out for Professor Connie <laughs> and she choked me with my own gi. <laughs> um, but uh, I it, it was more the atmosphere. I was I was more taken in with the atmosphere that you fostered in your school, um, and that has just always been. <clears throat> it's one of the things I talk about the most when people ask if they should come train at ZenQuest. Is it was like finding an extended family, mm-hmm. um, and so I trained. Yeah, um, I trained pretty yeah. diligently for about a year and a half. Right. Then life happened. Yep. <laughs> so um, we had been. I've been doing some police training recently, and people ask me how long I've been doing jujitsu, and I I'm, I can't put a figure on it. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's a big gap in there. But I had said to somebody recently, hey, uh, maybe uh, you know, maybe six or seven years at this most current uh, stint, and I actually found a picture um, yesterday. Hmm. I I wandered back into the dojo in 2013. Yes. Um, and there, we had a seminar, and I think I put my first stripe <clears> on my blue belt at the December of 2013. So. Except for a brief break with the Blue Belt Blues, it's been about nine years now. So Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. stuff. Um, so for people who haven't haven't decided that they're gonna come visit us down in the new location down in the Lennox shops, um, three well, three disciplines, more more than three <coughs> programs realistically, mm-hmm. but three foundational disciplines within the school. Right. So can you talk a little bit about the background and history of those three disciplines? All right, so we both first started with uh, Weichiru, or it's a style of Okinawan karate. And as Professor Mark already said, he started in 1982. And then 10 years later, I got involved with that. When Again, when he came to the community center, that was my current job. Um, so that's our, our first discipline that we both started with. And we have direct affiliation with the Okinawan Karate Do Association. Yep. Still train every week. Yeah, we're still still doing that. Still love it. And then uh, I believe the second thing we added was the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And, and we about 1998. Yeah, I think 1997, it was. 98. Yeah. I think we dabbled a little bit in 97, yeah. and then in 98 yeah. we became an you know an official, right. um, you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu academy, and our current. Uh, instructor is uh, Damien Maya, Professor Damien Maya. And then we added the Muay Thai program, <coughs> Sichuang Muay Thai. And our current instructor is uh, Crew Mark Delagrati. He's out of the Boston area. Some of you, if you follow the UFC, may recognize that name. And we've also, so then directly through him, we have ties directly to um, Thailand, where the, where the, you know, parent organization Chong Muay Thai is based so yeah. you know we've been doing Weichiru the longest and then Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and then the Muay Thai right. which is uh, uh, Thai kickboxing 
And I'm not sure when we started. <coughs> I think we started that. I think it was around. 1999, 2000. It wasn't too long after. So we've been doing all the disciplines for oh, quite wow. a while. And we've got um, certifications and ranks in all of those uh, disciplines. And three's enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Three's a lot. You know, it's a lot. Most people would consider themselves lucky to obtain instructor level credentials in any one of those right. to maintain instructor level credentials and continue to advance yeah. in yeah. three simultaneously. It's that's a, little, a lot. Yeah, it's a little like having your, you know, degrees in law, medical medicine and business. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, something like yeah. that, you know. Like well, we we I think one of the things we have found is that they <coughs> they they complement each other. Support one and another. And there's more similarities then there are differences. I mean, there are obviously differences, you know, different emphasis, em, you know, emphasis for each of the, the disciplines. Yeah. And right. Wouldn't yeah. you say that, that that's part of what, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, part of what makes it work so well. Yeah. You know, we do have people who concentrate in one discipline, but we have many people who concentrate in two or more Boy. and really have found that it's helped their overall lifestyle. You know, they it's helped them be able to, you know, address self-defense issues as, if needed if fitness you know and, right. and that's kind of a segue into you know the the ledge or the law enforcement jujitsu program you know as you said we've we were always talking about the benefits that there would be in helping officers train in ways that would keep themselves <coughs> and anyone they had to interact with in the community as safe as possible right so the three foundation programs, and then because of the strength of those three programs, uh, kind of parallel, smaller mixed martial arts uh, competition right. team program. Yep. And we've we had some people uh, compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament this weekend. Yeah, yeah. including yes. a couple of our officers. Yeah, we haven't seen any results yet. So. Um, and then just some martial arts strength and conditioning, so mm -hmm. some subsidiary programs, yeah. and then periodically just some self-defense right. for members of the public. Right, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so there's a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. The dojo is a busy uh, place all day long, six days a week. Yes. Yeah, um, we, we kind of like it seven. that way. <laughs> you sometimes know, like seven sometimes if it's seven. testing week. Yeah, <laughs> true. If we have special events on yeah. Sunday. Like, like you spent, you know, yesterday with those <coughs> competitors in right. Danvers, Massachusetts. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you want to talk a little how bit about do. how they did. So uh, one of the officers placed second in his division. Yeah. And it was a very competitive division. <laughs> nice. And, you know, he's, I mean, it's he's a talented guy and he works really hard and has taken to jujitsu really well. And, uh, yeah, he uh, he did extremely well. And, and, I mean, he's very athletic, but also he did well in a technical sense where he was right. so if we if we said we're, he's very athletic that tells me which one it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but you know really he won on on technique and strategy yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean like in hard work that and it's funny because like uh his the first guy he you know won against uh came off the mat comes over to me and he goes wow that guy's strong and i'm like yes but he's also this very also technical, kind of technical and strategic so you know let's not do that okay <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a, it's like a, an insult for in, in jiu-jitsu that is not a compliment yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in jiu-jitsu it's like don't no don't do that but we find it it's so. it's funny when people come against someone who does have who knows how to use their strength effectively but have good technique and strategy that that 
you know they have and they have difficult with difficulty with them and don't really understand why that's kind of where their head goes first yeah it's interesting yeah it can't be that the person was better just than better you technically than they <laughs> they, yeah. they, because they were just strong but yeah. and then uh another individual uh female placed um third in her division was mm -hmm. also nice. a, a very competitive division and then one of our kids placed third nice. as well so but everybody you know did a, extremely well and was was very competitive you know it wasn't like anybody just got bowled over and didn't know what they were doing even you know there was one one of our blue belts had a match that was incredible i mean it was just you know i mean uh really really technical and it was a great battle i mean ultimately he lost by like two points but but it was you know he was kind of dominating for the first two-thirds of the match you know and so and rumor has it the referee might have missed <coughs> a couple things in there but uh -oh. <laughs> oh, <and> the <laughs> professor mark would never say that but some of the other competitors were like i don't know <laughs> well his his um uh opponent was uh, a little bit higher ranked and like that so you know it, it was it wasn't an easy match but yeah he did really well so yeah so before we get to the specifics of the uh, law enforcement jiu-jitsu program just because some of our viewers and listeners won't necessarily be familiar i know i get this a lot when uh i'm in the community they're like oh you know you train martial arts you know that's jujitsu. is that like karate it's like mm, it's, no not really it's not really no. there are some similarities a little bit but uh no it's it's you kind of a pajamas. different thing. <laughs> yeah so uh our our discipline our art we train brazilian jiu-jitsu which right. uh our, our lineage is uh, attributed to the development of the art by the gracie family mm -hmm. who uh they exported jiu-jitsu to the united states right uh, and the rest of the world ufc one but brazilian jiu-jitsu is historically based on japanese jiu-jitsu yeah right. uh, and they would right. follow the lineage of that back to the samurai right. unarmed unarmed combat for uh, fighting an unhorsed yes. warrior that's right and then uh after the war, the Japanese exported jiu-jitsu around the world, mm -hmm. but um, our particular lineage started basically in, in Rio de Janeiro and the surrounding um, when the Gracies were exposed to jiu-jitsu by Japanese instructors. That's right. That's right. And then as they improved their jiu-jitsu, they made some fundamental changes. Um, purportedly around some of the physical limitations of Grandmaster Helio, mm -hmm. who he needed some accommodations because of some of the he, uh, he allegedly was a sickly child mm -hmm. so he needed something that was not strength based and so right. they made some changes uh and that is the, the lineage of our brazilian jiu-jitsu um and so brazilian jiu-jitsu widely popular in the united states and every all over the world now yeah. uh, i just uh, completely coincidentally i was scrolling social media recently i found out that um one of one of my institutes of higher learning the united states naval academy has a competitive jujitsu club <laughs> they had a huge tournament on the yard the weekend before last <clears throat> and i didn't i didn't know they had a jujitsu club they certainly did when i was there but their rash guards are on point i got to get onto that thread and figure <laughs> out how i can get a naval academy rash guard um does but that yeah. include mar the marines so it uh, or is it just navy well the naval academy trains marine officers as yeah. well so when they're at the naval academy there's prospective marines in gotcha. the group okay it's about 20 to 25 percent of the graduating class can nice. opt to go to the marine corps okay um so yeah this jujitsu is everywhere and it mm -hmm. should be um but respect for navy and marines by the way <laughs> and, no. and, all, <laughs> and all branches of service yeah yeah exactly um, but again, going back to 2006, recognizing that what we were teaching in the academy didn't necessarily include enough of the ground game, 
I started to kind of explore my <clears throat> interest in uh, getting back into some type of grappling arts. Um, besides collegiate wrestling, right? I mean, collegiate wrestling is a martial art, but it's not a martial art that has really street application per se because it's all points-based. Um, no no position or submission per se. Mm-hmm. And uh, so trained a little bit. And I think probably since I met you, this ongoing side conversation, yeah. why don't cops train? Yeah. Why don't more cops train? How can we get them How in can here? We How get can them we get them in here? Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about that for years. For a long right? time. Like 10 years or something. And then, uh, you know, so I was there for a little bit from 2006, 2007, then gone, then back in 2013. <clears throat> and we started really exploring that in at least for the three of us, I've just realized, Lieutenant Hill, you're just sitting there quietly. You're also a black belt in, in Weichiru Karate and in the Ledge program. You're just, like, taking it all in. I'm just drinking it <laughs> in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it wasn't until probably 20, you know, 2019, probably right, 2019, 2020, that, I started to figure out that there was a way to do this, right? There was some limitations, largely due to how you compensate officers or you protect officers if they're training related to their work. Right. And we had done some stuff that was, I'll say, extracurricular, where you would open the academy up or the dojo up and cops or cops and firefighters or EMTs could come in for like a one-day, right. one-off seminar. Yeah. But we really wanted to figure out a way to do this operationally. And so it would have been in the end of 2020 and then we started kind of looking at it in 2021 that we found out that there were police departments um, that were doing immersed jujitsu programs and a couple of those and particularly the marietta georgia police department they started documenting their research about how they could do it and i was fortunate enough to get my hands on the white paper from mm-hmm. Marietta, right? Um, through my my friends and partners at uh, Invictus Law Enforcement, who are black belts, who are also cops, and I was able to take the outline or the basis of the proposal from Marietta and kind of flush it out a little bit and make it a little more local and bring it to you. Yeah. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I I think too, like the maybe the you know perspective of officers at least the younger ones i'll say or the newer ones you know they've grown up now with the ufc and they get it more you know like we used to hear years ago we we would have that discussion and i would talk to an officer and they would say something like well you know if i'm in if i'm apprehending someone i'm not going to the ground you know i'm going to try to stay on my feet and blah 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 and like hmm, or i'm not going to pull guard right that was the thing no no you're not not with a gun well, exactly <laughs> you know the crazy part is now the answer to that is well you know if you train you're you're less likely to go That's to the ground right. if you don't want to yeah. you know what i mean uh you don't pull, only pull guard if you have to right. right like that's you know so that's a little crazy right? so it well it is crazy so, yeah i'm sorry professor that's okay i was just gonna say i think it's just a fun it's been a fundamental lack of understanding of the interaction between standing and ending up on the ground and you know there's research as you probably would talk about that a lot of altercations end up there whether you want them to or not so figuring out a way to have control over the circumstances and remain remain as calm as possible 
so that you minimize that because of the other tools that you have it's best not to <coughs> land there in an uncontrolled position so you know the philosophy has always been to figure out how do we how do we deal with this if it happens and or how can we prevent it from happening um you know and those sorts of things so you know and sorry not and then um, <laughs> and then you know because all of the disciplines that we do are come from cultures where they develop these self-defense mechanisms for smaller people to deal with larger Large people. people. So, you know, it's a it's a perfect um, perfect storm, so to speak. Yeah. So when I just want to add, when Connie and I started, you know, exploring jujitsu, we did it because we wanted to know how to defend the grappling takedowns right. mostly, so that we could, you know, right. be stand-up fighters as weighty people, you know. And um, and sure enough, now, I mean, we fell in love with jiu-jitsu the more we started kind of diving into it a little bit. But now I'm at a point where if I don't want to get taken down, I it's not easy to take me down at this point. And I can, I can stay on my feet if I want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can stay. So, you know, we, we took a lot of grief from the Weichi, the karate community about doing, starting to do jiu-jitsu, you but know, like it was a betrayal or something. And um, and I have a funny story about that, but I, I don't know if we have time. But <laughs> but uh, you know now it's like well look if, you know really if you train some jujitsu, you don't you don't have to go into the ground if you don't want to you know because you'll know how to defend the uh, those attacks right so and the and ironically that the 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 um, kickback didn't come from our Okinawan teachers no they no. actually embraced it and if you start to understand Weichiru. There are some grappling aspects in that style. In Okinawa, so in they, Okinawa, they you know they train more takedowns. They do, they <coughs> do. So, so it's a kind things. of again, I think it's just a fundamental lack of understanding. Yeah. You've, of, you've shared with yeah. us that when you on your trips to Okinawa to yeah. work with the masters, that yeah. they they train ground yeah. components, and they it, do. It's not common, but it's not unusual for no. us to look into the other training room yeah. and see the karate students doing right. backfalls. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, exactly. and if you watch the Okinawan Championships, it's not unusual to be yeah. see people doing throws there. That's and, right. You know, stuff like that. They so don't grapple. They don't for grapple the on the ground, but they do do the throws and yeah, exactly. you know, score on the ground and stuff. Yeah. So, so um, in the few minutes we have left before we take station break, so last Thursday and Friday, I was in uh, defense tactics instructor recertification, ah. and um, Thursday was for the most part classroom and just getting through the paperwork but friday was pretty much <coughs> all on the the drill hall floor and on the mats and i was excited because i i'm i'm not on the statewide coordinating team but i was on the team that they asked to go check out some of the new stuff we're incorporating this spring and so i thought we were going to spend the whole day on the ground <laughs> and we didn't <laughs> um we spent some time on the ground yeah. but and this is not a criticism of the state's program mm -hmm. and the the guy who was running the uh the research is a friend of mine, training partner. We were at the academy together as tra and, and trainers. And and some of the reluctance is still there because even when we were getting ready to introduce the, the ground components, the grappling components, his intro was you need to know how to you need to know how to what to do here to get back to your feet and go to your equipment. Ah. I said, Yes, I, I don't disagree with yeah. you. Yeah, that's my friend. Sure. So but let's acknowledge that if I'm comfortable on the ground, I might be better off staying there a little yeah. bit longer right. before I try to disengage and get back to my feet and get to my equipment, particularly if I can let my opponent 
wear themselves out That's and right. exhaust themselves, right? right? If I'm in a safe position and I can maintain posture and maintain position instead of, because the attacks happen during the transitions, right? So if we've gone to the ground and my first instinct is stand right back up, that's when they're going to go for my equipment. Whereas if we've gone to the ground, then I can come out side control and I can let them just exhaust themselves mm-hmm. a little bit. Then they can't follow me up and go for my equipment. That's right. When I that's right. That's right. Well, that's another right. one more thing is like, um, you know, as we dove into this more doing sort of research, you know, uh, for the ledge program, you, if you look at videos on online, very frequently you'll see officers take the they'll wind up handcuffing the you know subject okay. suspect on the ground on the ground or a lot, a lot of times if they start engaging they actually lose their balance and fall down which <laughs> i thought was amazing you know i mean i'm i'm, I'm not all the time but sometimes there's you know, a lot so. of video out there yeah. yes yeah you know so it's like okay well you, let's address if you, this if you don't want to fight on the ground you need to be able to stay yeah. on your feet you know it works yeah. the other way too so. and there's something to be said to have that control and not have to take out your nightstick right. or pepper spray or, right right you know so. that beyond the control the comfort yeah. be, yes gaining comfort That's in right. a position that we generally tried to avoid yeah right and uh i think our our officers who train they're a lot more comfortable now than they were a yeah. year 14 right. months ago right, right. So we're coming up on 30 minutes. We need to take a pause here for station identification and a couple PSAs. And we'll come back on the other side of the break and talk specifically about the work that's happened in the dojo in the last 14 months with the Ledge program. Great. Support for WTBR <laughs> comes from Berkshire Mantiques, a 7,000-square-foot shop featuring collectibles, antique signs, and much more for your garage, bar, man cave, or she shed. Open Thursday through Monday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. and located on Route 7 in Lanesboro. And from Greylock Grounds drive through and Cafe, featuring different varieties of local coffee and tea from Six Depot Roastery Cafe. Greylock Grounds K-Cups are locally brewed and the only biodegradable compostable K-Cups using a local roaster. Visit their drive through location on Route 7 in Lanesboro, serving coffee, paninis, ice cream, and more. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC provides access to higher education to everyone in Berkshire County and beyond, offering more than 50 high-quality programs, small class sizes, and an affordable education to help their students of all ages achieve their dreams. At BCC, their middle name is Community. And from County Ambulance. Providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at CountyAMB.com. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. 
Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department, reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight, and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413-448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Welcome back. You're joining us for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And I neglected at the top of the hour to say, also available on all of your popular podcast platforms. Our guests in studio this morning are Professor Connie and Professor Mark Flynn from ZenQuest Martial Arts Center. ZenQuest is our partner in our law enforcement jiu-jitsu program. And we've been talking a little bit about the history of martial arts and the development of the ledge program. And when we stopped for station identification, we were talking about officers being able to <coughs> regain and maintain control. And Professor Mark had another point he wanted to make. Mm. I, can I first say that I still struggle with the whole professor thing a little bit? Like <laughs> in our culture, you know, like everybody knows sensei, but professor is, a, I mean, it's a little weird in the dojo. The only time we really use that is like in college, right? Right. You know, it seems like so. Um, Brazil. But it's got yeah, it's, it's context. Roots in Brazil. It's all context. <laughs> this is a complete. Uh, this is a complete digression here, but so um, when I went when I went to camp, one of my black belts is a black belt professor but he runs the they have a degree not a degree program but it's part of the fitness program they have a class a college level class for credit for jujitsu that's cool oh, wow. so he's a professor professor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> professor squared um yeah so i just wanted to add that you know and this is another answer to why should cops you know train jujitsu and uh in addition to the technical strategies uh that that you know they learn uh there one of the something that's invaluable and you i know you agree is the ability to scramble in uh, chaotic situations like to be relaxed and be able to maintain control of someone and, and yourself you know when that chaos is happening is like just as important as as the technical parts of of what you know and the only way you can get that is by training on the mat and you know doing some grappling and and all that right well when yeah. we when we put the program together i think we were all on the same page that we expected the officers to pick up some technical proficiency to gather some skill mm -hmm. we expected them to increase their confidence um expected them to be comfortable comfortable in the chaos right, right. we probably all anticipated that most of them would have some increase in their level of fitness yeah but there was a couple things that came out of it that I just, I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't anticipating and I've spoken to each of you about this. The first one was the immense improvement in their respiratory control. Mm -hmm. You can hear the difference between officers who train and officers don't in radio transmissions. Right. In sure. Where they interact so with people. Sense. Right. The second one we were talking about it while we were off air is the, just the sheer number of minutes they spend in all, all simulated, but physical confrontation on a weekly basis. A, a street fight is it's not difficult in comparison with what they expose themselves to three or four times a night right on the mats right, right. there's there's a danger element in in the street but right. the, the right. devil the level of 
complexity against an untrained person on the street is much less. Right. And then the one we learned last winter that I never would have anticipated is because they're training with the ghee, they're comfortable grabbing clothing, yeah. which is something we were trained for years, never, never, never to do. Really? And so they're much more in control, right. particularly as the weather gets cold and people are wearing jackets. heavier jackets. jackets. Yeah. Right. And so they've got options that aren't available to officers who don't train That's right. because those officers are trying to control limbs yeah. Yeah. and the ledge officers are trying to control clothing. Right, right. That makes right. sense. And it also creates a, a barrier and a... Yeah. a um, right. The ability to control the the person that they're dealing with, without wrapping them up, so to speak. Officer Carasoto described it as having a handle. That's yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to describe it. Yeah, that so, makes so much sense. So a lot of people have that thing about they don't want to pa- wear pajamas and all that. But you know, uh, in Okinawa, subtropical Brazil is subtropical and tropical. They wear the gi. Part of the reason is because when you start, you know, training yeah. and grappling, <laughs> people tend to sweat, and yeah. it's like having a body sock on. Yeah. And um, the other thing is it provides resistance, yeah. right? When it's like, uh, you know, in a way, it's like lifting weights. Like you wouldn't just stand there and do curls with no weights in your hand. But when you're trying to get grips and you're trying to shove your arm into a spot or something, and you have that extra resistance of the gi. But then when you don't have that, it's much easier. Or right? just when you're so. doing yeah. the basics and trying to yeah. scoot across the floor. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and we do have no-gi classes as well, so, you yeah. know, so that's... Uh, well, and, and yeah. I think we also always build in some time with the officers wearing their uniforms. Their duty gear. Their duty right, gear. Right. And, and their you belts. Know, and right. That, right, and so that they can translate what we're doing from the gi to their everyday wear because it is important. You know, you don't want this, you don't want there to be a hesitation because <coughs> something's not there that they're used to being there. So, you know, we lay the groundwork and then we always make sure we spend some time where they come in, you know, in their, their daily wear. So when we first, when I, when I flushed out some of the details from the Marietta program and translated it to try to make it fit local, yeah, and, uh, we sat down and started negotiating for um, the first nine months of the pilot. So... Um, you agreed to hold one class a week, a law enforcement specific class for our pilot participants. And in addition, under the terms of the pilot, the members of the department who were training could train an additional two times a week as mm-hmm. part of the program yeah. uh, that we developed. And in the additional two times, they could train in any discipline. Right. So most of us were training jujitsu, but a couple were uh, had experience in karate and were training in karate. A couple dabbled in Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Um, but those tradi- if they were training jujitsu, those non-ledge classes were open classes, public mm. classes. That's right. right. Towards pursuing advancement and belts in jujitsu. That's right. And so we had 14 people in the pilot and uh, a handful of officers who earned multiple stripes during the time of the pilot and um we got we got a couple who are probably on the brink of of their fourth stripe and we'll be looking at blue belts not in the too distant future right um that's right some of those guys have progressed they were training there wasn't enough spots on our training roster for them to incorporate all the classes they were intending and then after we closed the pilot and we expanded the program and we went up to 20 it was 
expansion to two law enforcement specific classes a week. That's right. And unlimited that's right. classes in, in the other disciplines. That's right. That's, right. Right? that's right. Yeah. So I'll train with our officers on Monday and some of them will stick around and do a no-gi class and a competition class. Yep. They're in the dojo from shift change to shift change. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if I yeah. could add something here um, for those that are officers that have been training hard. In July, late July, August 2023, the World Police and Fire Games is in <laughs> Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada Ooh. this year. And they have a jiu-jitsu and a karate division. You've competed cool. in that oh, wow. in the past, haven't you? Uh, 2013, and I did the karate element in uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland. That's yes, cool. Very cool. <clears throat> wow. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so... Yeah. There's a crazy sidebar is uh, we're noticing now there was a couple of guys that came in and uh, since they've been training, like, mm, has it been over over a year now? Right? Yes, yes, it was October yep. of 20. A couple, couple of guys have trim, trimmed way down. Yeah. Like their athletics, you know, their fitness level or whatever has just changed yeah. dramatically. dramatically. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You know, uh, and, and, and as far as that goes, you're looking at, in addition to being more calm and all that, less stress. But I mean, you know, especially when you get older, you know, <laughs> it's healthier. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets yeah. more challenging. And, and so these guys, long term now, you're looking at, you know, much better prospects as far as, you know, longevity and health and all that, you know. So. Yeah. So one of the things that came up during the defensive tactics instructor research last week is um, there's there's no practical way to put handcuffs on a subject who is lying on their back right right eventually you've got to roll them over and get them proned out on their belly right however once you roll them over and put them on their belly they're in a position of strength mm -hmm. we've seen numerous videos where the officer has rolled or attempted to control a prone subject and they don't know how to adequately control them. That's right. right. And so the subject then, in the, the catchphrase is, the subject builds their house. Right. Yeah. They get their knees up underneath right. their hips. They get their elbows up under their shoulders. And they start to push up. Right. And that's a position of strength. And if you don't know how to control somebody in that position of strength, that's where the fight is happening. Start, yeah. Right. And we've seen terrible, terrible outcomes from around the country yep. when an officer who doesn't feel comfortable on the ground allows Space. the subject to get to their knees. Yeah. 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 On the other hand, well, you can't handcuff somebody who's on their back. That's a position of weakness for the subject. Yeah. They don't have access to any good weapons from that position. Yeah. So if you can hold position, right. what we could say on the mats, ride the position That's right. until you create an alternative or your backup gets there, now you've got options. That's right. Yep. And if there's one thing that we have focused a lot of attention on in the ledge program, it's maintaining position on a subject on their back and then rolling them to their belly without creating any space. space. That's <laughs> right. right, space, that's right. Yep. And so this idea that you can put um, a joint manipulation technique or a key lock on somebody while they're on their back mm -hmm. and then use that joint lock to now direct them to their belly right. where you now can get into a good handcuffing right. position if if we could only teach police officers that one strategy. Right, right. Hip, right. hip control, a yeah. lot of that's yeah. in the hips. Maintaining yeah. top yeah. control. Yeah. Um, and, so and, and could I add 
uh, Mike, that Chief Mike, <laughs> I should say. Uh, you know, we focus on things that are safe for both the officer right. and yeah. the subjects that yeah. they deal with, right? That's There's right. nothing there that's going to put the other person in extreme in danger. You know, it's all about just usually wearing them Positional. out and, and like that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So safely getting them to a place where, where you can, uh, control Re them reduction in officer injuries reduction in subject injuries that's right yep that's exactly. right exactly and there's there's proof now data right yep. that, yeah. that's the thing yep. yeah so right it's a, a positional strategy mm -hmm. and making sure that you maintain as much calmness as you can and till you get the person in a situation where you can bring them safely to where they need to go you know yes so so i will i will say that <clears throat> is Jiu-Jitsu outside of the job, right? I've learned so much over the last, you know, nine years plus. Um, but Jiu-Jitsu related to the job, both through the stuff that we've been doing and some stuff that I've gone out and researched, um, we're on the mats Friday. Uh, we're doing some drills. And I'm watching some of my fellow DT instructors, and they were having difficulty. Um, so we're doing a, a two-officer takedown. Mm -hmm. right? One officer's controlling the top, the other officer comes in, basically takes a double, get him to the ground, you got to do a, a leg weave to yep. start to do the roll, yep. and they they were ended up with the hands trapped under the chest. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I can fix that. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean you can fix that? I was like, you're in control of that hand, just put that hand over the subject's head. When he rolls him, that hand will be free. Right. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, just take the wrist and move it north. And when they to roll, 12 it will be free. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And everybody in the room was like, show us that. It's not that complicated. Just move that hand out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Don't roll underneath them. Right, right. And don't I put the body on top of them. Yeah, don't hands. put the body on top of the hand. Right? Move the hand. Um, but if you don't know, you don't know. But right? those, these are, these are foundational yeah. principles of body mechanics that's yeah. right. that we take for granted. That's sure. right. That if you don't train, you, you don't, don't see. Exactly. You know, so much of it is common sense, right? But if you don't know, but you don't But if you don't know, know you don't know. You know right. right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we've had the program since October of 2021. Uh, it's going really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, I've already had numerous Massachusetts departments, including the Massachusetts State Police, ask for our documentation That's awesome. to see how they could incorporate something similar. Um, I did not make it to the seminar I wanted to go to. There was another group of um, police officers who are also jujitsu instructors, and they invited me to come train with them on Saturday. I just, after Friday, I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> But there's not a week that goes by that we're not getting some communication about more police officers who are looking to train. That's great. So um, I think one of the things, we kind of briefly alluded to it. So you spend a lot, I know you spend a lot of time and attention. I don't know that if all of our students appreciate this. You spend a lot of time and attention taking things that we're going to see in our regular class lesson plans and translating them to be police specific. Mm. Yeah. So that when we get on the mats on Monday and Friday, we're taking the same stuff that we're gonna drill in the open classes, but now we're we're turning it into something that's useful with the duty gear on, with right. the vest on, with the right. belt on. And I appreciate that <laughs> because it it can't be easy to make that stuff accessible and, and to translate it. Um, you know, we saw when we did the it was almost two months we did it in the, over the summer um, with the duty gear and yeah. the vests on. The, I think it was the first night we were on the mat with the vests on. 
officers were just like, wait a minute, I don't know if I like the idea of them trying to come in and do what, you know, set up a simulated badge grab. Yeah. And, you know, that outer vest carrier for all the benefits it has, it's a handle. <laughs> exactly. Right? And so now something that was an advantage in a stand-up fight is a potential risk or liability in a grappling match. But then, you know, there's joint manipulation techniques that come off of that if they yeah. make the mistake of grabbing. So it's fun to experiment and play with all of the techniques and find ways to make them work. Yeah. Um, work with your strong side away, protect the equipment on your belt. Um, I've, I've been having a blast. Good. Doing, mm. That's doing good. both classes. <laughs> That's good. I think I can speak for, you know, uh, Connie too, but I, you uh -oh, know. no, just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> we've talked about this, but. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, at this stage in our you know journey or career or whatever uh it's it's a cool challenge yeah for to be presented with that like well how what is the best way to get someone's arms out from under them you know and oh yeah, i don't know let's think about it let's talk about it and sometimes we'll on monday morning we'll we'll work some stuff out and, you know and, and a lot of times it's related to something we've done and sometimes you have to think out of the box uh but uh it's it's just a cool challenge at this point, you know, for us. I mean, it's, I, uh, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to, <coughs> uh, before I was working with the community center and that sort of thing, I used to work with the New York State Division for Youth. I think it's now called Youth and Child Family Services. And I worked in first um, a secure facility for males, and then this is juveniles and then a minimum security for females. And I can tell you that if I, had, if I knew, knew then, this is what I know now, some of the things that we had to deal with, with the challenges sometimes that the youth would present physically, I think some of the things would have been more successful, you know, in terms of helping the youth, you know, keep that, control that aggression in a way that, you know, they were more safe, you know. So I think that um, that experience has been, I've been able to kind of draw on that a little bit. It's not quite the same as out on the street and that sort of thing, but there were, there are similarities, you know. Um, and so it's been helpful to have that experience as well to, to do, you know, to capitalize on the stuff that we look at, you know. Yeah. It's kind of <coughs> draw on that prior experience um because youth are not so, so some of them were uh, youthful offenders and things like that and when they when they first came into the programs that i was working on they, they had issues <laughs> real issues so and uh sometimes they would attack the staff and mm. you know there were there was a few strategies that you would learn but the basket yeah restraint. <laughs> but uh. but you know but the things <coughs> things that i know now and I don't, you know, I haven't kept in touch with that program, but I'm hopeful that they've, you know, learned some of the things that we are passing along to our officers and things like that because it's it's safer. It's not, it sounds crazy, but it's safer. What we do is safer, you know. It what we do is so much safer. Yeah. For for everybody involved. That's right. Mm. So. Um, like I said, I've, I've been a. I had to say this to this room full of officers the other day. I've been a defensive tactics instructor for over twenty five years. Yeah. I hate to even say that. <laughs> um, Some of them aren't even that old. I'm right. sure. And, and so um, when I became Who a defensive, 
<laughs> when I became a defensive tactics instructor, we did not work two officer apprehensions. We just didn't do it. Yeah. So everything started with a single officer on the subject. Yeah. And then if you were the backup officer coming in, you came in after the subject was on the ground. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was at the academy, we started adding second officers to the apprehension. But we basically use straight arm armbar takedowns. Yeah. And if you've got two officers who are attempting to execute an armbar takedown on both arms and you're on pavement or concrete, the yeah. subject is going to sustain some injuries. That's there's, right. there's no way for mm. the subject to break the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the tactic that we had. It was the only tactic that we had. So one of the things that has been incorporated, I was describing it a little bit earlier, is now this takedown where the, uh, one, the contact officer, the controlling officer, has sub control the subject's upper body, the backup officer comes in, and they essentially shoot a double. Yeah. But they take control of the legs. And yeah. so the subject is going to the ground in a much more controlled fashion, yeah, sure. and the likelihood of injury is yeah. much less. They're yeah. not falling. You're placing them You're placing them, placing them, there. them on exactly. the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they would normally face plant if yeah. both yeah. arms are But more yeah. importantly, when the subject gets to the ground, the legs are out of play. Right. Because if you use the two-arm... Arm bar, straight arm bar takedown, you're controlling the arms, but the subject still has access to both legs. <laughs> and if they're big and they start to build their house, yeah, yeah. right now the fight is on. That's yeah. right. If you use the, the two officer technique where you go high, low, the legs are out of play. Yeah. Now you can take all the time in the that's world right. to roll this subject into a cuffing position. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's been a key element too it, that we've all been trying to convey is you have more time than you think. Once yeah. you have positional control, you can take your time. Yep. So there's less likelihood for those gaps and those mistakes and the scrambles and because you take control and you keep control and you and you execute things in a calm and, and um, safe manner. Deliberate. So, yeah. yeah. You're working exactly. through it. Exactly. And uh, I'm sure, I mean, you know, when, you're, when you have that level of relaxation and you're chill genuinely chill you know uh i think that that probably tends to de-escalate situations more right absolutely you, you know what i mean like you you're you're not you're not worked up yourself if you're in any any kind of job where you have to restrain people you know if you can be more relaxed yeah. and 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 you know stay calm and de-escalate that's that's great right key it's key so since we Primarily since we started the second cohort, we might have started it a little bit right towards the, t the end of the pilot. Um, we've added kind of a, a new component to the ledge program. I don't think we've named <coughs> it in the dojo. Uh, on, on the wrestling mats, it would have been uh, shark bait. Oh. These, these, <laughs> these live simulation drills, mm -hmm. which the guys are loving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, depending on how the class goes and how many techniques we, we cover, the last portion of the class because we don't do live rolling in the ledge class uh, but the last portion of the class we'll uh we'll put three participants <laughs> on the mat in some position professor's choice <laughs> and then rotate in three opponents against them so everybody goes and the the participating officer subject officer gets to pick how they what position they want to start in put three minutes on the clock and uh it's live. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. as close yeah. to live as we can go without being in a in, in a tournament competition. It's not three at the same time. It's like taking turns, right? <laughs> yeah. Three people, you know, three people, three people, people taking three turns. People. Three pairs. Uh, yeah. Three pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but three uh 
three minutes on the clock, and then after three minutes, rotate. Mm-hmm. Three new guys or, or officers, guys and gals on, on the mats, three new partners starting. They're rotating in uh, once they get a change of position. And, you know, I've done this a handful of times now with our officers. We, we've done nine, not, pretty much nine straight minutes. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to say, if, if you work <laughs> in uniformed services and there's a chance that you're going to get into a physical confrontation out there, in all likelihood, based on the stats, the physical confrontation on the street is going to last under a minute. Right. The one that goes longer than a minute is the exception. If you get into a minute-long fight after having been in a nine-minute fight earlier in the week, that's an easy day at the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's an easy day at the office. Yeah. Right? It's a little yeah, like yeah. doing wind sprints yeah. and yeah. You know, having to run Nine minutes of all-out effort against a room full of trained opponents that's right. and they're rotating in fresh yeah, and they're yeah they're coming <laughs> in rested yep. is significantly different than 45 seconds a minute 90 yeah. seconds yeah. against somebody yeah. who maybe just is intoxicated yeah. and belligerent right yeah. um and you don't have to panic that's right, right? we kind of do well, the same it. thing with our mma team like by the time they get to their fight they're, they're like Psh, this is easy you yeah know? Fight so. hard, train easy, right? Yeah. Train yeah. hard, train, fight easy. Train hard, I said fight easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we are coming up on the last few minutes of our time <clears throat> here together today. Final thoughts about the program. Anything else you, you want to talk about in creating this program? I just encourage people to stay the course because it, it can be difficult at first. I think the most difficult thing is if you've never been exposed to this type of training in this type of way, it can be difficult. And so the mental part of it can be overcoming the mental aspect. And to me, that's, to us, I should say, that's probably the most significant piece because in your job, you have to, there's a lot of mental stuff going on there, right? So if you can stay the course and overcome that mental fatigue or that mental doubt or that mental trepidation whatever word you want to put on it the the you know the difficulty of overcoming learning the basics so you can dive deeper you know stay the course that's i think that's yeah. the thing i would yeah. say the give most give it a chance yeah don't yeah. don't give up on it um you know if the, if you have challenges talk to us and we can because those challenges don't leave you at the job so it's important to figure out how to work with your challenges yeah. in a positive way so Better that's to work that out on the mat yeah right? so i i in feel like that's part of our goal too is to help people work through challenges they may face in or out of the job but right. it, to, to develop strategies to stay safe and and be more effective and happier i think and be less stress yep, yep. and calm less and things like that so i i guess that that would be a big thing professor mark so um, yeah, I was kind of—I was going to say the same thing, but uh, you know, I mean, it's—it's it's proven that this is beneficial for not just officers but anyone, you know. So it's—and it's—it's—it can be hard. It can be difficult at first, and so yeah, just give it a chance, and and you'll see. Right. We generally like to end with an unrelated question, just to kind of leave on a positive note. Plans for the holiday weekend? <laughs> Relax. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get some R and R in, yeah. and uh, eat some good food. Spend some time with See the family, family. <laughs> the kids, and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's and, uh, simple, simple stuff. Not think about work. Yeah, we're taking a trip to. <laughs> How about uh, you? Yeah, 
Uh, we'll be traveling with the baby to nice. my in-laws. Um, nice. be the first road trip with, with the okay. baby, so That's we'll be awesome. on the road for a little bit. Cool. That's amazing. Lieutenant, nice. plans for the holiday? Uh, family time. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> You've been That's tuning it. in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR 89.7 FM. We'll see you shortly. Until next time, be safe, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8. Thanks, Thanks you. guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>